You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. If you were to die and stand before God and God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And here's some of the answers. Well, I'm a pretty good person. Well, I never killed anybody. And they're they're sincere and they're right. Hopefully they never killed anybody. But what they're doing is they're looking at other people, other people that have obviously sinned and and, and murderers and all these terrible people, you know. And they're like, well, I'm not, I'm not like them, so of course God let me. I'm a nice person. If Pastor Danny asked you that question today, why should you get into heaven, what would you say? A lot of people use comparison to satisfy their good person status. You haven't killed someone, so you must be better than that person. You haven't cheated on your taxes. Excellent. But Pastor Danny has some sobering news to share with you today. None of that is enough. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done or not done you aren't worthy without Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter two, as he begins his message, A Matter of the Heart. Romans chapter 2. Grab your Bibles. And if you were with us in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 is pretty much God through the pen of the Apostle Paul giving an indictment and a description of a depraved culture, a culture that has ignored the witness of God and because of that initial ignorance and creation of the God of creation and they've plummeted, well, progressively down. And if you were with us, you know that uh, as you progress down further into depravity, you find things like the culture having a lot of violence. The culture has perversion. You have homosexuality, you have lesbianism. And of course, you have a lot of sexual immorality, period. Now, if you were reading this or listening to a message from Romans chapter one, and you're a person with some kind of some kind of Bible base, some kind of belief in the God of Israel, and some kind of a moral, you know, standard because of those beliefs, because of your religious beliefs, you probably, especially when Paul starts talking about these perversions and all the things of this depraved culture, you would have gone, amen, amen. In terms of agreeing with, that's wrong. Because you have people who are not only doing wrong, but agreeing with those who are doing wrong. And the standard, there's no standard of truth. And so chapter one, chapter one in summary is an indictment as God describes through the pen of the apostle Paul, a depraved culture. And you might say uh, it's the description of a pagan culture. Now that's a, it's a real word, pagan. 
It, it really describes biblically someone who does not uh, acknowledge the God of creation, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. And so it's a culture that's not believing in God, not living according to his standards. And, and you're a person that does believe those things and you'd have gone, yeah, amen. They deserve hell. <laughs> Sinners. <laughs> and you would have been right in that assessment, in agreeing with Romans chapter one. But the danger, the danger in agreeing with it is if you see the depraved culture and you agree that the, the standards of morality are, are, are not there and they're heading in the wrong direction, in a direction you don't agree with and you don't want it to go, that's good unless you look at them and you go, well, I'm not like them. That's chapter two. And boy, is it a shocker. Chapter two, verse one, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Whoa, stop there a minute. I don't do the same things. I'm not a homosexual. I'm not a lesbian. I, I don't, I, I never killed anybody. We used to do this program years ago at Calvary Chapel in my early days of pastoral ministry called Evangelism Explosion. It was an evangelistic thing started by a guy named D. James Kennedy. He pastored on the other coast of Florida for many years, Presbyterian pastor. Uh, but God really knew the Lord, and he, he put together this program called Evangelism Explosion to help you, help Christians in sharing their faith. And it had some practical things. I look back on it. Some of it now is kind of cheesy. Uh, you know, for example, you could get somebody in an elevator with somebody, and if you wanted to break the ice and maybe have an open door to share Christ, uh, you would say something like, are you going all the way up? Yeah, I know, it's cheesy. I get, I get it. I didn't use that one in the elevators. I, you know, if we were going down, I'd say, hey, what if this elevator crashes? No. But one of the questions, one of the questions you would also ask, and this is one that I did ask a lot of people in trying to live out evangelism explosion and some of the practical tips that D. James Kennedy put in the program. And it's this, and I've asked lots and lots and lots of people this over the years. And it's this question. If you were to die and stand before God and God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And I'm telling you, the answers are almost always very similar. And here's the answers. As I've asked hundreds and hundreds of people that over the years, if you were to die and stand before God and God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And here's some of the answers. Well, I'm a pretty good person. Well, I never killed anybody. And they're, they're sincere and they're right. Hopefully they never killed anybody. You know? But what they're doing is they're looking at other people, other people that are, have obviously sinned and, and, and murderers and all these terrible people, you know. And they're like, well, I'm not, I'm not like them. So of course God let me, I'm a nice person. You say, well, I don't do the same things. Whoa, whoa, read on. Now we know that God's judgment, God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. So when you're a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things. 
I don't do the same things. Read on. Do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? Now stop there again. Because the kind of people God is addressing here are religious people. Religious people believe in God, and they haven't done what other people have done. But they're comparing themselves with other people, and so they're looking pretty good. And that's the problem. We're going to get to it if Jesus tarries. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's the issue. But as, see, you compare yourself with other people, you can always find somebody that looks worse. And God's trying to show these people, you got a problem, and your problem is self-righteousness. Because you're comparing yourself with other people, you're comparing yourself with a depraved culture, perhaps, but you got a problem. And you don't see your problem. Because you're looking good compared to other people, but compared to the holiness of God, you got an issue. (laughs) Now, when you confront these people about their need for a savior and their need to repent, a lot of times, you know what they do? They get mad. You know, there's been times it's been known that people like this actually have crucified people that pointed out their sin. That's what they did to Jesus. So look at verse five. But because of your stubbornness, whoa, stubbornness, your stubbornness. A lot of pauses here. Let me pause one more time because in the Old Testament, God repeatedly reminded the Israelites when he's bringing them into the land of promise, he repeatedly reminded them, it's not because of your righteousness that I'm giving you all this. You don't deserve it. And then he told them, you read the passages, he said, because you're a stiff-necked people. You're stubborn. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, a unrepentant heart, again, another pause. Why is the heart unrepentant? Because they don't think they need to repent. They don't think they need to repent. What do I need to repent of? I haven't killed anybody. And again, we're talking about religious people. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. You don't realize what's coming. It ain't good. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will give it to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he'll give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, self-seeking, whoa, self-seeking, that's a sin? That's the hardest sin. Most blistering message recorded by Jesus, Matthew 23. He blasted the religious leaders, the religious crowd, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and of the things that he said that they hated hearing, but it was the truth about their lives. He said, you're full of greed and self-indulgence, self-indulgence. You're living for self as religious as you are. Your life is not submitted to God. You're religious, you believe in God, but you're not living for him. And that's what he told them. What did they do? They got mad. Those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger. There'll be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And then he makes this final statement. For God does not show favoritism. 
Don't miss that. He doesn't treat you with favor because you're an American. He doesn't treat the Americans different than he does the Africans. He doesn't treat anybody better than somebody else. He, no, it's level, level at the judgment seat. God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't say, I love you more than him or her. And, and No, he doesn't show favoritism. I had a hard time with this message last night. I, you know, when I went to Christian college right after becoming a Christian, and I was a phys ed major, had no plans on being a pastor, public speaker, anything like that. I, I had fear and trepidation standing in front of people. I just didn't do that kind of thing. When they told me, even as a phys ed major, that I had to take speech class to graduate, I almost got in my little Plymouth cricket and drove back to South Carolina. That's the true story. Because I would stand in front of people and I would get flustered and I'd turn red and I would feel faint and sometimes I would faint. And it doesn't happen very often, but it happened last night. And I got so flustered with the message and I, I didn't know where I was in my notes and I was like, and I went home and I just begged God. I said, God, you got to help me. So I throw away all those notes. I just handwrite a couple of things, you know, and I said, Lord God, you just got to help me. <laughs> and I changed the outline. The outline has four points and the first one is simply this. The danger of judging others and failing to properly judge yourself. There's a lot of people going to be in hell. There's a lot of people in hell now, very religious people, very pe people who believed in God, people who believed in the God of the Bible. And they didn't do what other people did, you know. They didn't kill anybody, and they weren't, they weren't as bad as other people, but they thought that they were good enough. It's a terrible mistake to make. Don't make that mistake. I beg you, don't make that mistake. Jesus said in the judgment, some are going to say, Lord, Lord. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Even people that did things in his name. And he said, I never knew you. The terrible danger of failing to properly judge yourself. Thinking that you're going to get in to the kingdom because of your own goodness. Not going to happen. God doesn't show favoritism. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But then verse 7, or verse 17. We'll come back to 12. Remember, I changed the outline. Verse 17. Now, now he deals specifically with the Jewish people, most religious people. I mean, these are the people that, you talk about religious privilege. There, nobody has greater religious privilege than the Jewish people. God revealed himself to the Jew and through the Jew. Ten Commandments came through the Jew. We have a Jewish Messiah, et cetera, et cetera. So now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you're instructed by the law, if you're convinced that you're a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, this is exactly the way the Pharisees and teachers of the law felt. Verse 21, you then who teach others, do you teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? He's talking to the Jewish people. Now look, <laughs> you, you look at the record of history and some of the most cunning, cunning thieves are Jewish. You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? 
Whoa, you look at the history in the Bible of the Jewish people. A man after God's own heart, their most beloved king, King David, went out on his balcony one night. He should have been off in war, but he wasn't. He took a break. It was spring. It was a spring break. A lot of people get in trouble then. He got in trouble then. He sees Bathsheba. He sends for her. He sleeps with her. It's a one-night stand, but she gets pregnant. He tries to cover it up. If you know the story, he wasn't able to cover it up, so he takes the next step, and he becomes a murderer. He sends Uriah, her husband, one of his mighty men, back on the battlefield. And just as if he had the sword in his hand, he commands his general and he arranges for Uriah's death in battle. He kills Bathsheba's husband. And then he takes her as his own. You just look at the stories of the Old Testament and it's one Soap opera, sexual escapade after another. Immorality left and right. You teach it's wrong to commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? <laughs> and Jesus ruined that for everybody when he showed up. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. He said, hey, if you've looked at a woman and thought about it lustfully, then you've already committed adultery in your heart. Ah! We're all in trouble. You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Again, the history books tell us that the Jews would actually rob pagan temples. And you know what they would do with the idols? Sometimes they would bow down to them. And the Old Testament's full of that. And even the ones that wouldn't bow down to them, you know what they did? They sold them for personal profit. So that somebody else could have the idol and they could personally profit from it. You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? Now, this is a good one. Think back to the giving of the law. Here goes Moses up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God in tablets of stone. And while God is writing them, while God is writing the Ten Commandments, the people are breaking them. Before Moses even comes back down with the commandments, they're already breaking them. As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. What does that mean? It means that the Gentiles see their sinfulness. They see the Israelites' sinfulness. They, they, they see it. And they go, yeah, you say, you're a, you're a Christian. <laughs> yeah, look at the way you live. Point number one, the danger of failing to properly judge oneself. Self-righteousness won't cut it. Point number two, the danger of dependence. Listen. Dependence on Religious heritage, and maybe even religious privilege. Nobody more privileged than the Jewish people. Nobody more religious. I just want to show you very quickly before we go to the third point, John chapter 8. So keep a marker there in Romans 2, and look just for a moment to John chapter 8. This verse used to throw me. It used to, I just didn't understand it. I understand it now. John chapter 8 and here's what threw me, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, they believe in him, in Jesus. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then you have this whole conversation he has with them. And they said, we were, Ab we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. Wait a minute. You've never been slaves of anyone? <laughs> what about Egypt? You forget about Egypt? 
And they have this argument with Jesus back and forth. And if you read the whole passage, which I'm not going to do, they begin to continue to argue with Jesus that because they're Abraham descendants, they're okay. And Jesus points out to them that you may be Abraham's physical descendants, but you are not his spiritual descendants. And he climaxes it by telling them the reason you don't hear what I have to say is that you don't belong to God. You are of your father, the devil. Wow! And it used to throw me that he's talking about people who believed in him. They had believed in him. Yeah, they had believed in him, but they had never, ever been born again. They had never been converted. And they were depending on their religious heritage. Even though they're believing in Jesus as the Messiah, they're still depending on their religiosity. Years ago, I got jury duty summons. And, and I thought, sure, when they began to interview us that I was out of there quick because it was a murder case. And one of the questions in selecting the, the jurors was, what do you believe about capital punishment? And they linked with that question, your religious affiliation. And I just knew that when I say, well, I'm a Christian and I believe based on, and I was going to give them a verse and I did, uh, I believe in capital punishment. And I, I just knew I was out of there, man. I'm back, back out in the free world. Not only did I get selected, I became the foreman of the jury. But I will never forget in the process of elimination of asking all these questions, and these two really stood out, and when they ask about religious belief and affiliation, every single person, every single person, and I listen to a lot of people get interviewed, every single person. I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Episcopalian, I'm Catholic. And every single person had a religious affiliation, but I will guarantee you not every single person had been born again. And that's the issue here. Tremendous danger of failing to properly judge oneself as you look around at a depraved world Terrible danger of dependence on any kind of religious heritage. You're not going to get in because you attend church or because you have a religious affiliation. And then back in Romans 2, verse 25. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code in circumcision, are a lawbreaker. Now, this can be a, a little bit, a lot of us can't relate to this because he's still talking to the Jewish crowd here. And circumcision was a big deal. Circumcision required by the law you had to circumcise your children the eighth day. And one of the worst things you could say to a Jewish person is call them uncircumcised. Since we can't relate to that when I'm under the Old Testament law, let me tell you what you can do. You can take circumcision and take that out and replace that word circumcision with a number of things. Confirmation, baptism of any kind, church attendance, religious signs and symbols that you might wear. 
There's all kinds of things. Because here's point number three. It's the danger of dependence on religious ritual or observance. Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings by visiting ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are unable to meet in person. So please don't let distance stop you from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope that today's teaching from the Book of Romans has encouraged you. Be sure to join Pastor Danny Hodges next time, right here on The Living Word.